question tonight. Yes. Um, there's some verse in the Torah that says that someone who is a part of never be overcome by evil. Do you know, do you know, I don't know the verse number, but. Yeah. Well, I believe that the verse that you're referring to comes um, at near the end of the sixth chapter where we find the culmination of Krishna's discourse on yoga. Yoga, generically speaking, being the means by which to realize the sankhya, the, uh, the uh, discrimination exercised earlier in the second chapter before the yoga is dis- discussed discrimination fine and uh, full measure of discrimination to discriminate between matter and spirit hmm? and so then how to realize that which is yoga and he begins with a, a verse that describes bhakti yoga and he goes on to describe other types of yoga uh, that are relative to different types of persons in terms of their <coughs> eligibility, their stiction in life, their understanding, and so forth. Then he culminates the discussion on yoga in the sixth chapter with an emphasis on bhakti as well. So it comes near the end of the sixth chapter. And Nahi Kalyanakrit Kaschid Dogatin Tata Lakshati, Pujapachidamarsh, poetically rendered it something like uh, sincerity is invincible. Hmm. So the context there, uh, of course, is that um, uh, having heard about yoga and as encouraging and optimistic as it is, the very pessimistic take on, on material life, one of them being is food for another, everyone has to die, so on and so forth. Um, but we don't stop there with the kind of Darwinian you know, uh, very kind of very the very perspective that caused him to, to 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 lose appreciation for beauty, creativity, and so on and so forth. Starting to think as he did, Darwin, everything is just uh, a system going on mechanically with no will and so forth, and the implications of his his thinking. He he and he lost his sense for. Again, creativity, art, beauty, and all such things. Um, so, uh, kind of a depressing perspective unto uh, and, and its, itself, especially the way it's taken now um, to uh, materialism, physicalism. There's no, there's no will. There are no individuals. There's no other. There is no uh, uh, absolutely right or wrong, even reasons, is, uh, is uh, a questionable enterprise, and so forth. It's a, it's a prominent way of thinking that many people are subtly under the influence of uh, realizing the implications of it uh, uh, and being confronted with which they would have the revolt because everybody wants freedom and choice, individuality, and so on and so forth. But the physicalist and materialist perspective does away with all of that. Hmm. Um, and, but people readily uh, buy into it, so to speak, without thinking very deeply about it, I would say. So at any rate, 
we have also a pessimistic perspective on the world, but material world of itself, but as I've often said, while the karma is an influence in the world, so is bhakti. And so, um, yoga is a, is lends some positive light to the whole affair, right? Um, especially bhakti yoga. So, Arjuna is, uh, is encouraged by the optimistic prospect before him uh, through the method of yoga by which he can transcend birth and death and, and all issues that fall within it, all the problems and so forth, the solution to all the problems of life. But he also finds it very daunting of a, of a, of a, of a practice. You know, it says that uh, you know, it's like trying to control, central to it is controlling the mind, and that's like trying to capture the wind. So he has some doubts about his ability to uh, apply himself. Hmm? And it's in this context that this verse comes. He, he, Arjuna finds himself wondering that I'm going to forego the religious path in pursuit of this small g good, the moral good, for the capital G absolute good, but I might not be successful in that because it's a daunting task. And having left the moral good for the absolute good, if I fail in pursuit of the absolute good, which is harder to attain than the moral small g good, then I'll be culpable for foregoing the moral good, and I won't be successful in achieving the the capital G, good. So I will be, he says, like a ribbon cloud, like a crowd cloud forms together and then disappears. What will be my position? So he has these doubts, and they're you know they're they're well founded. Hmm? Um, but uh, Krishna answers very feelingfully, uh, and he. Uh, uh, he uses the word tata, which means like, oh, my dear one, like, oh, son, something like that. That's uh, so very affectionately speaks to Arjuna and says, don't think like that. This is particularly the case, of course, with regard to bhakti yoga, because it's 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 uh, very difficult to fail, uh, if you will, in, uh, in bhakti yoga. Um, we may not be successful immediately. It may take some time. That's, that's true. That's the case with all such uh, all spiritual uh, disciplines. Mm. But it's a teaching in which a yoga in which you have so much going for you comparatively to other yoga traditions. Uh, again, you have the power of sangha, and a path is is said to be enhanced by that. Um, by Sadhu Sangha. Detachment is, is not the is not a Nanga bhakti which is difficult. Sangha is easy, um, comparatively, uh, sometimes. <laughs> and uh, so on. And, and of course the full grace of, of Bhagavan, because that's what you're living for, rather than relying on your own intellectual, mental, physical strength, ability, um, and so forth. Uh, it's kind of, as I often say, effort to get grace is different. It's going to make an effortless 
effort, making an effort to get help, hmm, rather than a full effort onto oneself uh, type of approach, like Gyan and and uh, Mystic Yoga. So it has so much uh, going for it, and um, therefore it's thought that practically speaking you can't can't uh, fail, because why? In another sense, as Krishna begins in his discourse on yoga with a verse about bhakti, he says, Neha bhikkhamanashrasti pratyabhaya navitite svalapamap yasidharmasya Trayate mahatobhaya Meaning is svalapamap yasidharmasya In this path, whatever is gained is eternal. Because the path of bhakti is not arising out of satvagun or or uh, uh, Rajagun, like Gyan and and Karma Yoga, respectively. It's coming from the Nirguna. So, as a result, the effects of it are eternal. So, whatever you do gain, then that becomes a permanent part of your your being. Even if you make offense, then your progress may be stunted, slowed down. You know, so forth, but for it to be uprooted altogether. Um, there was a question the other day on, on the Sunday conference call about uh, fence in Baba Bhakti and the possibility of falling from Baba and so forth. Um, but that doesn't mean you fall from all aspects of, of Bhakti and, and so on and so forth. So, so anyway, there's a gain that um, is uh, uh, enduring eternal, it's of an eternal nature. So, in, this is just a few ways in which it's, it's, it's very, you have a lot going for you comparatively, compared to other paths. And, um, and all those paths require some bhakti to be efficacious as well. So, so in that sense, you, you, you can't fail. Narada makes a statement, well, what if at a maturity one goes down the path and then doesn't, Falls, he says. Well, and and get up from wherever you are. You're further down the road. So, no problem. Um, and we see Krishna's response here to, to Arjuna. Don't, don't think like that. You 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 take a shelter of me. You've uh, in bhakti. You you you've expressed your desire. I mean, when I was young, and I I was on my way to Jamaica to meditate my life away. <laughs> And I ended up in the temple on New Year's Eve in the Coconut Grove in Miami. And I came in the temple, and the fellow had just finished giving the class, and the note on which he ended the class was, and so uh, Prabhupada said something like that, that if you just pray to Krishna once, and Krishna, please help me, and, and, and Krishna will... And then, always be in your life, something like that. So that's what I did. <laughs> I bowed down my head and I prayed to Krishna, please help me, and, and so forth. So I had confidence in that um, that truth. And it's the spirit in which our, our Krishna answers, Arjuna. So you, you, you can't... Uh, uh, your, your honesty, truth satam, truthfulness, is a synonym for, for devotee. Mm-hmm. In one sense, to be thoroughly honest and bear one's heart and and so forth um, um, before uh, Bhagavan. And he basically tells Arjuna 
that this is you, you've done this your sincerity you to use Judah Morris's translation sincerity is invincible so like attracts like so truth so if you're honest about it sincere uh, we may get distracted over time so we, but we, we have certainly invested ourselves in that way and bared our souls so to speak before Guru and Krishna and so forth so it doesn't go like it's, it's the indelible something like that it's on the uh, it's on. I used to think when I was a kid, when I was a kid in a Catholic school, that there was this glowing thing right around the heart called the soul, and that if you committed a venial sin, it would make a little mark on, you know, that could be erased. But if you made a mortal sin, it would make a hole in it. Hmm? So here's the opposite kind of idea. You're getting these bhakti samskaras on, on your chitta, and uh, and so your your chittas now. Your subtle body is now assisting in moving in the direction of the, of the self and its prospect and so forth. And all of that doesn't play out immediately. You start something, you set it in motion. The results of it, just like the results of karma may come later, results of our um, bhakti, in many cases, will also come later. It will, be, it will accrue. And... Um, and, and, and so just just as many things we accrue karmically in this life do not bear fruit until the next life, or even life after, perhaps. So we should have a similar kind of confidence that there is no such thing as instant karma. It's a popular idea. But the karma means an action committed that has a material reaction that goes into the up. It becomes un, the reaction becomes unmanifest. It goes through stages. Which again, coming from aparabdha, unmanifest, to parabdha, kuta, bija, and so forth. Um, And the act is actually performed, where the reaction actually comes. So, um, similarly with with bhakti, the results may may be immediate, but they may not be immediate. Uh, It may be cleansing and something else, and something else may not come. Or even cleansing not received or, or fully achieved you know, in the immediate, there are instances in which that happens. So, and, we, and there's those, the histories are there, recorded. Those examples are pointed out, which tells us the power of bhakti, which should encourage us that much more to apply ourselves. What to speak of if we apply ourselves? Something like this. So, you know, transcendental life is, is for transcendentalists. You know, we're we, we're we're investors. I mean, we're investing in, we're investing in the future we see the immediate prospect however glorious it could be materially to be inglorious and uh, you know now there's this there's this whole idea of materialism you can't get away you can't get away from the longing in human life for eternality really Hmm. So the extreme uh, forms, and they're not that ex- they're not that um, isolated forms of materialism, posit these ideas that, for example, we are just around the corner from transferring our consciousness onto a computer, in which case we won't need our bodies anymore, which are subject to so many problems anyway. Hmm. And we live in our mind, in our consciousness, in a computer, 
that can that's not going to break down as as readily. It's we're just going to upload or download whatever upload I guess our, our consciousness onto a, onto this, uh, this sophisticated machine, and we are only machines, and so on and so forth. And then we we can have immediately everything. Every, we can have everything that we want hmm, in a virtual world. Do you want ice cream? There it is. You don't want any, you don't want indigestion. You don't have to have it. You know something like that. So uh, it's a, there's a whole theory out there. That people actually really committed to this. They're really seeking kind of a heaven, if you will, bodiless, heavenly uh, uh, existence. Uh, really, by their own philosophy, it's a it's a, it's, a, it's an effort. <laughs> it's really kind of senseless. It's an effort hmm, to attain a an illusory, an enduring illusory sense of I. Because hmm? they say the sense of I is, is, is an illusion, and they even say that effort, intention, and will is an illusion. Everything's already determined. There's nothing you can do to change. That, that's that's materialism. There's nothing you can do to change anything. It's all all programmed, just like computers. They're programmed. You're a biological computer. You're just just part of the program of nature, and it's all determined. Yes, on the subatomic level, there's some unpredictability, but that is unpredictability. Within determinism, it's still all determined. You can't determine exactly how it will go, but it's determined. And there's no, there's no outside force. And there's no uh, intention or will on the part of individuals that don't even exist anyway. Hmm. But, but the effort, nonetheless, is 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 to is to attain this uh, uh, perpetuation of the illusion. Of will and individuality uh, that they that they militate against when 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 dualists or other forms of uh, supernaturalists transcendentalists posit that there is will there is meaning and purpose and so on and so forth uh, so it's a very uh, it's, it's it's not a very sensible perspective it's not something you can play out. Um, uh, fellows coming up with these super programs pride themselves in their genius and creativity, creativity and so forth. While the very philosophy says there is no such thing as genius or creativity. Hmm. You understand? Those things don't really, those are just illusions. And they militate against it again when it's proposed by transcendentalists. <laughs> But they actually honor it and uh, take pride in it, and, uh, and so on and so forth, and seek to live uh, uh, forever as an as an individual unit of consciousness. Uh, so, uh, at any rate, it's a very um, uh, uh, how do we get the bizarre uh, um, perspective? Um, and it's, uh, somehow I got, I got a little bit of tangent, um, materialism. But, um, hmm. but, um, 
we, I would say, we, but we are transcendentalists. And um, so uh, we are also living for the future. It's not like the materialists are living for the now. They're, they're, they're trying to live forever. Also, and this is just one example of it. As I wrote in Sacred Peppers, you know, the idea is to attain robotic heaven. Um, and, uh, and you won't even need a body. So, so anyway, we, we're transcendentalists, and, um, and 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 we think that that uh, that life should be present. Life should be an investment, hmm? an investment. Uh, we're not that different, as I say. They're also investing in future through technology and trying to really, arguably, pursue the very same thing that we're speaking about: eternal life, such as some call All your desires should be fulfilled. So on and so forth, um, um, and of course, in doing so, we say that there is a real purpose, there is real meaning, there is real right and real wrong, and there is will, there is choices, and so forth. As we experience and as we live our life, whether materialist or transcendentalist, as if those things really exist. So he's both schools, if you will, materialists and and, uh, and transcendentalists are pursuing the same thing. But they're, in the materialist perspective, it's it's right with contradictions. Do you understand? Hmm? What's the meaning of pursuing anything? There's nothing to pursue. It's all determined. So. But still, you have a debate, and you try to get somebody on your side, make a choice. What's the point of having a debate for a materialist? If you're true to your own philosophy, why are you in a debate trying to convince people to make a choice to agree with you about materialism over transcendentalism, for example. <laughs> your, very, your very presence in the debate affirms that you, you seem to believe, at least in all practical senses, that people have will and choices, and the choices that they make are important, and, and, and so on and so forth. Your philosophy so there are no choices to be made. Everything's determined. It is part of a system. You understand? So... Ours is much more coherent, mm-hmm. and uh, it, it, it makes our present life make more, more sense, if you will, even when it is largely a, an investment in the future. But it's an investment in the future that, when properly understood, makes for the best present as well. Mm-hmm. So it makes for nicer people, it, it makes for a kinder um, world um, sensitive uh, you know, to tr- tread lightly as possible, leave as light of a footprint on on, on the planet as, as, as possible. Um, this is inherent in the transcendentalist's uh, perspective. To breathe less, you know, <laughs> for example, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, to harm less when meeting one's biological needs, and so on and so forth. So, while it, it may appear to be a preoccupation with the future, some question of the future, it is at the, it, it, the future is, is, is the same future that, that, that everyone's really looking for. Um, 
I think it, it's, it's looked at in a way that makes more sense and makes our present situation more sensible, more reasonable, and more rich and kind, generous, and so on and so forth. So, at any rate, we are transcendentalists, so we are living um, with a not for the prayas, but for the shreyas, not for the immediate pleasure, but for the kind of long term. This is just a common sense thing, right? People do this by going to college, right? Or becoming an apprentice in some field or something like that. Rest right. in the future. So, um, so everything that so we should we should be as transcendentalists convinced of this that what we do, the time we do spend in bhakti and really which really does constitute an exercise of the heart, not just going through the motions. Although well, that may be useful as well, it's supposed to bring us to the point doing it in a heartfelt way, and the giving of ourselves in the context of hearing, chanting, and so forth, which will bring the mind around and the mechanics of it and so forth that uh, are involved in transcending uh, the perspective, intellectual, mental, and sensual perspective. So, at any rate, this, this, is, this is an investment, the future the results of which, the results of which will, in many cases, come in the future, and we have a sense of that. I... I I mentioned on a couple of lectures recently in my visit to Saragragi, I had the invitation from our excavator, ex- excavator, or uh, anyway, the fellow who does the excavating for us, <laughs> <laughs> um, and he is a um, Mennonite. So we chat sometimes, and, and, and uh, so forth. And, and, and so he had called me and invited me to an, a Mennonite event that they were having, where the kids were from different from different classes in their school were going to be reciting. So I went along. It was a room full of Mennonites. And it was very interesting. But one of the things about them was very clear is that they were t- completely committed to and preoccupied with the idea that this is not their real home. The real home is with Jesus in heaven, and they're living here, rented, you know, renting a spot, and and do it as good as you can. But the whole focus is, is to go to heaven. It was very powerful. I was inspired by it. Um, so, so, and that doesn't that may sound to some materialists and. Psychologists as being a life of deprivation of all the fullness of life, you know, that you could possibly have, a meaningful experience. So, but I mean, they eat, you know, <laughs> they sleep, <laughs> they a roof over their head, right? They, they procreate and have uh, an emotional life within the context of their perspective. And, you know, what are all the things that they're missing out but just tweaking those things in different ways, right? More or less. Um, and uh, so they put a little bit of a lid on it and, um, and um, they're probably living as bountiful and fulfilling, if you will, in terms of opportunities that presented themselves material life as people did maybe a century back or two, something like that, 
They're not. They're not. They're not on the TV. They don't participate in politics at all. They don't. Uh, I don't think they use the internet and stuff like that. So they're they're cheap. They're just missing out on a lot. But really, it's just once that's really, all that is just a rehashing of some basic um, possibilities that uh, uh, are afforded us uh, through our minds, senses, intelligence, and relation to sense objects. And, um, and, 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 and what they don't pursue and try and from this angle, this hole, or that hole, whatever it is, uh, they are supplementing with a whole transcendental ideal that's driving them, so forth. So, um, it was inspiring. And so, so similarly with ourselves, I'm making a large point here, an extended sense that, that the fruits of our bhakti may not accrue in the immediate in his life perceivably some of them are, of course but um, um, but we that's why we seek to understand the philosophy and have a serious practice we get some experience and we have confidence through intelligence that the philosophy appeals to the reasoning of it all uh, the logic of it uh, transcendentalism and then some experience, some practice as we break through here and there a little bit, there that keep us on course for this kind of investment, if you will. That again, I mean, um, it really makes for a nice, um, nice people, hmm? nice life. Um, 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 of course, it goes against the grain of the modern world, and, uh, and uh, there's so much propaganda that you might be missing out and on so many things and so forth. So therefore again the need for discourse and, and practice and so forth. But anyway, it's an investment. So Krishna's telling Arjuna, you know, you know, don't think that you'll be unsuccessful. Uh, that's just not possible. The success may not come immediately, but if we understand the teaching, that's why, you know, uh, <laughs> It's funny because I was having a discussion with a devotee the other day about transparency. You know, it's just a popular word that we should have transparency and so forth. And in, in, in a sense, we're, we're like completely transparent here. We say, if you come here, this is what's going to happen. This is what you do. This is what is expected of you. This is what we're teaching and so on and so forth. Hmm? If you listen to that, and you can never complain that there's no trans, it's lacking of transparency here. Hmm? It's very clear what we're teaching. We speak it again and again and again. And it's not hearing that, expecting something else, not hearing what's actually being offered, which you don't have to accept. But if you if you do, know what you've accepted. Hear it. And if you don't, if you want to let go of it, well, that, that, that's fine too and so forth. But it's not like you're hiding something here and you're saying something else. Other than what we're always saying, and again and again, thousands of lectures and so many books, and so on and so forth. How do we transparent and clear what it is we're, we're about and what we can expect? Um, so, um, 
This you can expect at any rate Krishna says that you'll be successful. Hmm? Don't think like that, arguing that you won't be successful. Indeed, he goes on in that chapter to say, as I've sometimes pointed out, that what you would the best that you can arrive at, the best that you can attain by following the Dharma, the Varnashram, for example, which was what Arjuna was advocating in the beginning, right? And if Krishna says, hey, let's you know, that's a that that idea should be transcended by the knowledge that you're not the body. Hmm? It changes the whole perspective. Um, Arjuna's worried about this, what will happen about that, and then Krishna says, what if we kill these people, what will happen? And, these people? and Krishna says, nobody dies. You're not, you're not the body, you're an atma. It's like, well, he takes it from karma to jnana, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, and then to yoga and, and, and bhakti, as I'm explaining. And, um, and so, in the culmination of this talk there, in that sixth chapter, where this verse comes, or to, in that kind of those concluding verses towards the end of the chapter, he makes the point that if, Arjun, you were to be completely successful in terms of following the Dharma Marg, which was your original advocacy and reasoning for not fighting. If you were to perfectly follow that, you could you could attain the position of a Brahma. You know, you could go to heaven, the heavenly planets, right? And Krishna tells Arjuna, if you imperfectly practice the yoga, you can get that. Imperfectly practicing yoga, you can you will attain that. So there's again he's saying that there's no there's the same kind of encouragement that Narada gives in the Bhagavatam. Don't think that you might not be successful and therefore hesitate. Maybe I won't be successful, maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe maybe I'll fail. Krishna says, like an artist, there's no failing. If you fall, then you, wherever you get up, you're that much further along, then you go from there. Hmm? What if I didn't you're Chaktavasavanam this verse from Bhagavatam, Narada speaking to Vyas laying out these fundamental teachings of the Bhagavatam. Hmm? Krishna's giving you here in the Gita, too, in the verse that you're asking about in this, this, this section. So if you're unsuccessful, you mean, you mean, it means you're not perfectly successful, you didn't attain siddhi, perfection, in yoga, hmm? then you can go to the heavenly planets. Unsuccessful practice will give you what, if you were the fully successful in a lower path. And, having attained that situation, you will be different than others who went there by the karma mark hmm? to enjoy. You went there as a result of not perfecting your, your, your yoga. So you've got this transcendentalist samskar. Hmm? And so when you come down from there, you'll take birth in a in family that's, that, that um, is conducive to the continuation of your practice. And he says, and the practice will again come to you. It will come. When I was a kid, just like eight years old, this was like like 1957, I wanted to practice yoga. 
I don't know where I got the idea. I want to be a yogi, I told my parents. You have to understand, people didn't even eat yogurt. Weird. Some Bulgarian thing weird. You know, Russian people eat that, you know. It was a, yogurt was weird. What to speak of yoga? <laughs> you know, that was crazy. Uh, so, so, wait, but I was born in a family that had sufficient, you know, in, in, in the, uh, uh, the baby boomers are the people, the parents had fun, money, and they had money, facility, washer, dryer, televisions were coming out and so forth and so on. They thought they had, you know, they won the war and attained heaven, so, um, uh, all facility. And so we didn't have to worry, I didn't have to worry about the things my, my mother, my father had to worry about being in a war. My mother had to worry about the bread lines in the 1930s, you know, to get, get food and so forth during the Depression. So we didn't have those uh, material impediments, in that sense, was a favorable position for pursuing the, uh, the practice. Krishna hmm? uh, says, if, 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 if after um, some time not being perfect, one can go to heaven and take birth in a pious or a well-off family hmm, and pick up where they left off, your, your bad karma will come first. Hmm? Then it'll expend itself, and then the interest in the yoga and so forth will again come. Or he said, or he says, if you're almost perfect, then instead of going to heaven first, then you take birth in the family of transcendentalists. Prabhupada identified himself as such in terms of his past. I took birth in the family of transcendentalists. The Gita says this. You want to know about my past? He said, refer to the Gita. How could I take birth in the family of transcendentalists? Unless I have this kind of background, uh, so um, so the, uh, the it's another way of talking about you can't you, know, you can't fail, so to speak. And again, Krishna speaks very very affectionately to Arjuna. No, don't think like that. You'll be successful. You'll be successful. And uh, but then again, now when the success will accrue in terms of practically manifesting. It takes some time. That's just, you know, practical, common sense. And we should stop trying to live on the, the, the fantasy of, you know, of a credit card economy. Have it now, even though you don't have the money, and, and, and so forth. And uh, just, uh, you know, uh, living to pay off credit cards. And so a little patience is required, and a little common sense, and a lot of philosophy. Some practice, and uh, call yourself a transcendentalist and work, work in progress. But this is your identification. It's very, very reasonable. It's very, very glorious, beautiful um, ideal. And we may not, we're not perfect, but but the ideal is, is speaks of a perfection that really makes. Um, sense. The fact that you can't find the Atma through material science is obviously no reason to dismiss it <laughs> when it's when it's when it, when the very premise is that, that, that through material science you're going to find material truths. <laughs> so
So uh, this is a, this is a the, the foolishness of, of modern thinking that unthinkingly buys into uh, materialism and denies the uh, existence of the Atma and such a supernatural uh, prospect in life. Well, we haven't seen it. Can't be proved in a laboratory. That's a given. <laughs> we begin, of course. Your own, your own, your own teaching says it can't be found. Start with it. if you can't find it. <laughs> what kind of logic is that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It can't be found there. We haven't found it there, so I guess it doesn't exist. That's the circular circularity of of the reasoning behind um, materialism, and physicalism, and naturalism, in terms of its denial of a, um, a transcendent um, reality that has causal efficacy. We can't see its efficacy. Of course, you, again, the whole system is only to determine physical forces. Anyway. So, that's that's the idea behind that verse. Does that help? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, she had that kind of confidence, and, and again, Krishna very Arjuna is, you know, look at yourself. You're the Arjuna of the Bhagavad Gita. Right? Krishna speaking, <laughs> speaking to you. Krishna had mental problems. Arjuna had mental problems. There here a lot of issues. So you guys can relate to that. <laughs> he had issues. He had doubts. He had you know, questions and so forth. So let's see how Krishna addressed them. Affectionately. And who's Krishna? He's a very extraordinary person if you study his character. He's a very heroic Krishna. So, what's the time? Are you successful on your mission? Yeah. And did you see that? Independence celebrations? It was just after, so everyone was meeting. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Independent. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't work well with materialism and determinism, does it? <laughs> They're celebrating it today. Yes. Alright, who's talking? She should go into the MVP job. Uri Vaishnav Guru Parampara Gijaya. Guru Bhakti Vinda Gijaya. Guru Premanam. Guru 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 Guru